Sometimes I feel like I am drunk behind the wheel The wheel of possibility However it may roll Give it a spin See if you can somehow factor in You know there's always more than one way Say exactly what you mean to say Was I out of my head? Was I out of my mind? How can I ever been so blind? I was waiting for an indication It was hard to find No matter what I say, only what I do I never mean to do bad things to you So quiet, but I finally woke up If you're sad, then it's time you spoke up too Hello, and welcome to another thrilling episode of Bard Talk. I'm your host, Josh, and today we're going to play with something a little different, you know, um, trying to figure out the groove of what it is I want this podcast to be, so I'm kind of just like spackling all sorts of stuff into here, and I did one on just a story, a straight story. And now I want to talk about storytelling and movies. And I guess for a little background, I'm going to explain that I was a quick adapter of the English language. Um, Not only talking, I uh, was talking pretty early on when I was a child, but English in general has always been my subject. Uh, I learned to read like a duck learns to swim. I mean, it was very easy for me to learn how to read. And I hated reading. When I was a little kid, uh, I wasn't quick to enjoy the stories that were presented to me. Um, and I think everybody starts off the same way. Like, you get those golden golden books or whatever, or or little little kid books about Fred the Frog and stuff like that. And I know you're supposed to learn... On those things because they teach you like phonetics and stuff of that nature but they're really devoid of story structure and I think a large part of my problem when I was a kid was just finding stuff that appealed to me Um, so I kind of struggled not in my reading ability but just in finding stuff that I enjoyed reading and I didn't like reading I just didn't like it probably up until I was 12 12 or 13 um, I got introduced to comic books, and uh, my first comic book was Punisher Warzone, and that had a very adult, complex story as far as I was concerned at 12, and it really piqued my interest, and I gobbled down comic books. I read them like crazy, and not, you know, sometimes... I couldn't even really tell you what the picture frames were. I was just wrapped up in the storytelling within the comic books themselves. And and I branched out. I mean, Punisher was my favorite when I was a little kid, but I really enjoyed Superman. Um, And then as things went on, like I got into regular regular stories. I, I really got into books. And now, I mean, I read like crazy. It's it's one of my favorite pastimes is reading stories. Uh, I, although I have a weird rule where I was talking to a friend about, excuse me, um, 
where like I read fiction, but usually like on a ratio of three to one. So like I'll read one fiction book, but then I'll read three nonfiction books, like usually autobiographies or sciencey types books. Like right now I'm reading one uh, and it's about uh, how Homo sapiens evolved the way they did. Um, and it's really fascinating. It's a little slow reading. Um, but right before that, I read Dragon's Teeth by Michael Crichton, which I read in two days. Um, if that gives you an indication of how much I like reading. It's, it's a relatively large book, but the font was pretty big and the chapters were pretty small. So it's easy to breeze through. And it's, it's about two things that like absolutely pique my interest. Dinosaurs, fossils, and cowboys. I mean, come on. Great book. But I'm not here to do a book review. I'm actually here to talk about what most people consume as far as stories go, and that is movies. And going with the whole starting out learning to love reading with comic books, I'm going to talk about something that's close to me, and that's comic book movies. Now, I heard probably the perfect description for our generation, and that is our parents, probably more so to their point, their parents had the Western. And the Western dominated the movie industry, like, all throughout the 60s and 70s. And, and it, they crop up now and then, but they certainly were, are, they were huge. I mean... Go back into the 60s and 70s and look at the amount of movies made, and the large majority of them were westerns. Whereas now, we have comic book movies. And it's interesting to me because I think there is this DC-Marvel rivalry, and I think everybody would agree that Marvel has blown DC out of the water as far as the quality of their movies, the quantity, um, their popularity... But the arguments for why I don't necessarily agree with, and, and I'm going to say this right up front, I'm not getting into the feminist argument. I think that's a load of, of pucky. Um, it really has nothing to do with it. Like, I don't care what your opinion is on the Ghostbusters remake, but what made that movie horrible had nothing to do with the fact that they recast it with all women. What makes a story good or bad has nothing to do with the character's gender, I think. I think it has everything to do with the character casting and then, of course, what that character even has to work with. And that's why, you know, I mean, I'll break it down further down the line, but it's, it's kind of sad when you have character just execution in the story like you you have a character that's so perfect and so well and you cast them well and then you give them nothing to work with so without further ado let's talk about that let's talk about the biggest character assassination in my point at least from my point of view um and i'm going to talk about superman i think superman and captain america are probably the easiest two to compare as far as this is how you get perfect casting, great stories, and horrible execution. And I, I, I will tell you up front that I blame DC with their director 
casting choice. Like, I don't think Superman is a hard story. I think they refuse to tell the story it should be because they, their fear of not being able to reach a modern audience, which I'll prove is an irrelevant fear with Captain America, is ridiculous. So Superman got a reboot. Um, he was recast with uh, an actor who I think did a fairly good role. Um, I'm not I'm not opposed to Henry Cavill at all. Like I think Henry Cavill was a good choice. Clearly, the actor cared about his character, like the way he went about sculpting his body and all the work he put into trying to look like Superman. Henry Cavill is not to be blamed in this. Henry Cavill was the victim of Zack Snyder. And here is my point with this. Zack Snyder has said in interviews, in written interviews, I'm not, I'm not going to read it verbatim, but he pretty much said, I want to make a Batman movie. I want to make a Batman movie. I love Batman. Well, so does the rest of the world. But Superman is probably the superhero we needed. And it's the superhero that is so easy to do if you understand a couple principles about the character. So they redid the Superman, and it wasn't horrible. Um, I'm over sepia. I think DC's want to be the darker, grittier comic book movie franchise is stupid, especially when you have characters like Superman that you need to shoot vividly. You need to explain who the character is in his colors because his colors aren't only iconic, but they touch so much into his character at a whole, you know, and, and they just this want to be dark and gritty and to do it in this ultra definition sepia muted color tone just it kicked off the film in a bad way it kicked it off horribly and we knew right away like oh they're just going to jerk themselves off to the the batman remakes and try to make a superman dark and gritty movie and and you know what it flopped and rightfully so Zack Snyder has no idea who Superman is. Zack Snyder wrote Batman. And he put an S on his chest. And he made that character broody and unwashed. And the whole movie like kind of centered around him just being bummed out about being Superman. And I'm not saying that that isn't an element of who Superman is. Clearly. Clearly he is. But... That's not who Superman is. Like, I'm sorry. You should have left L.A. You should have went and lived in flyover parts of the country. You know, go hell, go live in Kansas for a little bit. Get to know what those people are like because that's that's the key element of the story. I don't care that he's an, an alien. He was raised by Martha and Jonathan Kent who owned a farm whose farm was in their family for generations and they have heartland american values and clark is supposed to have those values superman is a boy scout that is his character yes he has moments where he questions himself for christ's sake the man's a god he's self-aware of that fact but his goal is and always was supposed to be 
to do so with the best of his abilities to 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 kind of embody that that american value of just like altruism altruism is probably the best word to describe that superman because he wants to be that person who is there for people as much as possible and always making the right decision and he kind of uses his his heartland values to his advantage whereas batman's an anti-hero batman is a rich spoiled gatsby-esque like character who does what he wants to do and is kind of more i mean batman's a detective he's supposed to be one of the most brilliant greatest minds of our generation or time and you know smart people tend to be a little snobby they they they're, they're cold superman isn't supposed to be the smartest person in the room i mean there's things that he does that are smart but he is supposed to be the heart of dc the the embodiment of certain i would say like feminine nurture superhero roles that the other people aren't gonna fit in and they they just done him dirty and i think it's so evident in batman v superman where what happens is you get two batmans you get two batmans you know in that movie clark spends pretty much the whole movie just moping and brooding and not dealing with this fact that everybody realizes he's a god and he's made mistakes and people died on account of his actions like yeah you know the the first movie was crap and it led to the crap batman v superman but they really just you're just watching two batmans there's no element of clark in batman v superman it's all superman and superman is just batman he's just mopey dark brooding and the batman portion of the story was fine because it was a batman movie i mean uh, ben affleck everybody had their their concerns and you know the the gnawing and gnashing of teeth online about the ridiculousness of it but he actually did a fairly good job and again i think ben affleck wanted to play batman and he wanted to pay, play the character homage and Zack snyder was perfectly capable of making a batman movie he's just incapable of telling the story of superman what really pisses me off about that movie is when i found out that they were going to use frank miller's the dark knight um that that comic book if you don't read comic books if you don't like comic books go get that comic book it isn't a comic book in the sense that it's not it's a it's a it's a book book it's pretty thick it's long but it is one of the single greatest comic books ever written about an aging batman and a superman that hasn't aged you know obviously because he's an alien and batman you know is trying to retire or did retire and gets brought out of retirement because the city's crumbling and i'm not spoiling anything of it it's just a really 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 good story and batman v superman took elements from it um but then just shit the bed i mean really just 
dropped the ball when it came down to it. It was they didn't portray Superman at all. Batman wasn't nearly old enough. Um, they cast somebody for Carrie Kelly, who was the fourth iteration of Robin, and never bothered putting them in the movie. Uh, Lois Lane, you know, was an annoyance more than anything. She didn't move the plot along at all. She she only existed to hamper things, and they they blew their load on Doomsday, which is a great Superman villain who needs to be in a standalone movie with Superman because he is the villain that kills Superman. Uh, um, it didn't... It was directionless. It was poorly edited. Again, with all Zack Snyder films, when the DVD came out and you got to see all the deleted bits that they cut out of the theatrical release, the story made a lot more sense. It wasn't good by any stretch of the means, but it actually filled in all of the parts that the movie just let sit on the table. Um, just, I, it was one of the more disappointing things, I think, of recent times, and it wasn't even that recent. But then you had, on the other hand, you have Marvel. And I'm not saying that Marvel has had a string of of back-to-back blockbusters that were just amazing. Uh, But what I will say is they did a lot of things right. You know, the bad movies, in my opinion, for for the Marvel franchise, it was Age of Ultron, first and foremost. Uh, The Avengers series has every element that you would want it has really good storytelling and when i say really good storytelling this is what i mean if you follow like six rules of storytelling it's not hard to go to go and make a bad film like a good film sorry um the stories were universal everybody can find something in the marvel universe that they attach to there is a character in the marvel universe for everybody and the stories that they tell aren't like some unbelievable mind-bending gotta have lots of plot twists like they're to the point stories the 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 structure was clear marvel had intent marvel started by making standalone films for the majority of their characters their larger characters and then including their minor characters in with the larger characters standalone stories before starting to do large conglomerations whereas DC made Superman and then was like, okay, we'll make Dawn of Justice. So we'll throw Wonder Woman and Batman into a movie and we'll hint at the Flash and, and Aquaman, which I'll get into later. And then just went ahead and made the Justice League. I'm not going to get into how the Justice League sucked, but, you know, Marvel spent time. They put in effort and elbow grease to have currency later on and clearly it played it played off in a big way because their stories all had structure they had a theme they had an arc they were going somewhere and that is is probably the second rule of writing any story all the characters every single one of them was fleshed out before they ever came together on screen you had you didn't have obsessive origin stories like DC loves to tell you how Batman became Batman. 
like over and over and over and over and over again. I swear to Christ, when Robert Patson, Patterson, Patterson, Patson, I don't know. When when RP from the Breaking Dawn series, Twilight series of movies takes on the mantle of Batman, I will fall out of my chair if we don't get another origin story because that seems to be the only thing DC can do is retell that stupid story. Hell, they made a Joker movie that isn't even really part of their whole universe and they couldn't help but tell the origin story of Batman. What the hell? Move on. We Everybody in the world knows who the hell Batman is. We get it. Okay, Jesus Christ, stop telling that story. Marvel didn't have to do that. Marvel gave you, they gave you an opening for the characters that mattered because you had to know. I think if you weren't into comic books, nobody in the world knew who Iron Man was. I mean, maybe vaguely offhand, you realize there was an Iron Man, but nobody knew, no, nobody knew anything about him. Nobody realized that he was kind of Marvel's answer to Batman. I think we got that in his first movie and as time went on, Robert Downey Jr. did such an amazing role with that character, like really fleshed out who Tony Stark was. And when you watch the end of Endgame and that happens, that that death happens, that that earned death happens. I dare anybody to tell me they didn't tear up in the movie theater where when Superman was killed, it was just like, oh, well, it was completely unearned. It, it just happened. And it happened really fast, and there wasn't, you didn't really care because Superman didn't care. He was broody and mopey and wanted to die anyways. It was like the most emo version of Superman just getting, you know, put out of his misery in some sweet mercy killing. It was horrible. But Robert Downey Jr. made this character so likable. Even though he was a playboy, millionaire, philanthropist, like, even though he embodied a jerk, when he died, it was so earned. And when you do great with characters, when you, when you have character development, it doesn't matter if it's a good guy or a bad guy. You can make the audience feel something when that character's uh, you know, story is over. And that was, that was just really well done. Um, and that gets into, like, you know appealing to people's deepest emotions you know when you're when you write characters with depth when you understand the characters you can make somebody like ant-man beloved ant-man is this minor character who you know he had a run he had his own comic book his story the pym storyline some people really like it but by and large he's a minor character and i don't know people that don't like Ant-Man for some reason. I mean, he's not just a comedic relief. He's not just there to be used as a plot device. He's not there when the writers need an easy out. You know, he his, his character has depth. There's something there. He wasn't just pivotal in Endgame in like, you know, finding the fact out that the, the quantum universe that it wasn't affected by the snap. That was part of the story that wasn't necessarily just his character but his character just played so well in everything and the emotions that you can evoke from writing a good character aren't lost on him um and you know whereas marvel i think 
everybody could predict some things about Endgame. Like, there were predictions out there. You can read the Marvel comic books. Obviously, it's a comic book movie, so the good guys are going to win in the end. There's a certain level of predictability. But there were things within that that you didn't predict. There were things in there that like were hinted at real early on at the beginning of the whole thing that came full circle and just made this beautiful reemergence in in not really a twist, but just in fitting the final puzzle piece in to make the story complete. There's not anybody who doesn't get goosebumps and have their arm hairs stand up when Captain America grabs Thor's hammer and says, Avengers assemble. Like, come on. It's those pivotal moments that, like, we wanted to happen. You didn't necessarily predict that it was going to, but, like, you wanted it to happen really bad, and there was a payoff there. Whereas, you know, in in um, Justice League, when they resurrect Superman... You almost don't want it to happen. Like, you knew it was going to happen. Obviously, all they talked about the whole movie was, well, we can't do this without Clark. We can't do this without Clark. Like, they just went on this hour-long rant about how they were never going to defeat Steppenwolf, which, a wholly unearned, like, nobody knows about him. Why in the world would anybody consider him harder to beat with four people then Doomsday is beyond me. It just, damn it, Zack Snyder. You, you really shit the bed on that whole thing. And it was, it was not a twist to see Superman come back to life. It was not a twist to see Superman, I don't know, lash out and beat up the other superheroes for a second before, oh my god, the key was, was, was Lois Lane. <gasps> Shock and awe. Get out of here with that. Again, unearned. Unearned. You didn't do anything to develop the relationship between Lois and Clark in any of the other movies. And and for him to come back and be like, oh, well, you know, uh, being dead was itchy. Get out of here. Get out of here with all of that. That was just horrible. Um, I don't know why DC continues to just not understand the audience that they're talking to. And, and just, I don't know what they assume. I, I guess they assume we just want to see Batman over and over and over again. Because that, again, is just what they started doing. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick a, a holy cow here, but Aquaman was another garbage movie. And don't pretend for three seconds that you care about Aquaman. You like Jason Momoa. Let's just get that right out there. Everybody likes Jason Momoa. The actor is phenomenal. He's pretty to look at. Uh, he's charismatic. The, the, he didn't play Aquaman. He played like Aqua Bro. Uh, it, it was clearly that whole movie, again, not knowing its target audience or assuming its target audience was a frat house in Tampa Bay. I, I don't know what they were going for. It, it seriously like the the story an origin story for aquaman i'm in not many people know it was that a great one Ugh, i don't know um there were elements of it that were okay then they had amber heard on there and yeah i don't 
I don't understand any of that. They they really didn't develop her. She just like pops into the storyline. She's like, "Oh, hey, you exist. Oh, by the way, like I'm supposed to marry this guy, but he, you know, he's your stepbrother and like I know you've never been to Atlantis, but I know for a fact you're the true king." Like, "Wait, what?" That you did nothing to develop that. It just pops up. It's like, "Oh, th- this guy's the real real king of Atlantis and you know, he's got to go finish the work that his mom, his, his who? Like, his mom was on screen for 15 minutes and then, like, disappeared. And then they just want to explain this all away and, like, oh, yeah, well, you know, she's down with uh, the magic triton. And, and once you get this, you're pretty much like the dude from The Little Mermaid. Like, come on. It, it was it was dumb. And, like, the first fight scene where Jason Momoa just gets ragged by this guy who's been training his whole life as he should and then he gets a magic scepter and all of a sudden like oh he is the true king like, get out of here and and the clear rip off of the crab people the overuse of the cgi the blurry camera like you know marvel isn't perfect they have scenes especially heavy cgi scenes involving iron man um age of ultron again one of the worst, biggest letdown movies had a lot of that just blurry CGI where they were making things happen really fast in an attempt to disorientate you. Disorient? Yeah, I think disorientate is pretty English for me. But they, uh, they all have a tendency to slip into this. Like, we want to show you just how cool we are with our CGI. And inevitably what's going to happen is in 10 or 15 years it's just going to look really aged um everybody knows the universal truth is that jurassic park holds up because they spent so much on animatronics so much trying to make realistic looking dinosaurs out of modeling clay and models and animatronics and the movie you can watch it tomorrow and everything holds up in it. When you watch uh, CGI from Harry Potter just 10 years ago, you can go, oh, man, that looks <laughs> that looks rough. Uh, the Lord of the Rings, I mean, you know, a fantastic franchise. Arguably one of the best. And use CGI in sparing amounts. And even still, you can tell when they're using a really cool set and when they're using practical effects, and then when they use the CGI, because CGI never ages well. It's just, I don't think that it's ever going to. And so, again, the Aquaman movie is going to look horrible in 10 or 15 years. It's not going to take long, I can tell you that. And and when we look back on it, when all of the the, the member berries are gone for Jason Momoa, we're just going to see that movie for the trash that it is. And, and, and I don't have anything great to say about it. I, I'm going to beat up on Marvel because I think Captain America was a really good origin story, again, for a character that, unless you read comic books, you didn't know. You didn't know, you weren't familiar with, and I think Captain America succeeded improving that America and the audience doesn't mind a Boy Scout 
we don't need a dark and gritty superhero for every person. Not everybody has to be Batman. Not everybody has to be Iron Man. And the way they showed the duality between Iron Man and Captain America, you had your, I don't want to say dark and gritty because I never considered Captain uh, uh, Iron Man dark and gritty. He was what Batman should have been. He was what Batman at one time was. But he was a really good, complex character. And they went the opposite way with Captain America. Steve Rogers had excellent casting. They portrayed a Boy Scout. They gave him all of those altruistic qualities that Superman is supposed to have. And nobody batted an eyelash. He's arguably one of the most beloved characters of the Marvel Universe. And I don't know how DC couldn't look at that and go, Oh yeah, we don't have to make two Batmans. We can make Superman Superman. And people will love him. We would have. We would have loved Henry Cavill had Henry Cavill played Superman and not just Batman in red and blue. But it doesn't matter. You know, we got what we got. And Captain America was was a, a perfect example of an altruistic character with a great story. Um, and his role throughout all of the Avengers movies was phenomenal. With the exception of Age of Ultron, because, again, I think when it came to Age of Ultron, I heard, I don't want to say I read because I didn't read it, but somebody uh, somebody I, I talk to about all the time, about storytelling and story structure, and we talked about it, and they mentioned offhand that, you know, Zack Snyder didn't watch any of the uh, other Avenger movies when he made Age of Ultron. So he had no idea who uh, pretty much any of the characters were and just decided that Cat and Steve Rogers were going to have this like low-key kind of romantic entanglement in that movie. And it didn't fit with any other movie because clearly everybody was expecting her to fall in love with Bruce Banner. And as a whole, it sucked. Like the storyline sucked. It didn't fit in with any of the other storylines. It seemed very much like a movie out of place. The CGI in it was overdone and horrible. Um, it did... The story got used to bring about the Black Panther, which was a much better movie. But I think at a whole, it lacked a lot of key elements. It just lacked a lot that made us really invested i mean if you're a huge falcon fan and you like the black panther then there's elements in age of ultron that help build you to that but i think as a whole it's one of the weaker movies um and and the only other one that marvel put out that i didn't like was captain marvel and i'm sure i'm gonna get a lot of heat for this but captain marvel failed in areas that usually Marvel doesn't fail at um, and I'll say that was the character development you know here we had here we had a female protagonist um, more or less Marvel's answer to Superman more so than Captain America like I used Captain America to compare to Superman and Batman because he's the example that you can write a Boy Scout into a superhero movie and people aren't just 
repulsed by it. You know, like we do like gooey structure, just good for good's sake type characters. Whereas Captain Marvel is kind of like supposed to be, you know, all powerful. And her story was just flat. Like, I, I don't know how to explain it. It, it. it could have been solved in 15 minutes in the opening part of the movie if she just would have taken a little thing off of her neck that controlled her powers. Like, I, I don't know. And, and like Ewan McGregor's role, I like Ewan McGregor a lot as an actor, but he didn't really sell to me that he was a bad guy or a good guy. He just kind of walked this middle road. And so it wasn't a surprise at all to find out that the Kree were bad, as him in particular. And the whole, her telling, the way he was like, well, you got to control your emotions. She never emoted. She, like, you know, I don't know if it was the actress or it was just the material she was given to act. I, I don't know, but Carol Danvers was emotionalist. And he was like telling a, a cyborg, hey, you're, you're too emotional. You got to control your emotion. Get, get out of here. Like, it didn't make any sense. It was easy to make fun of. The parodies that came afterwards were well earned because it was frankly horrible. I liked that they, they took the, the whole flashback idea of going back into the 90s and, and showing us all of these member berries that South Park references. But like... I don't know. Again, they, they relied a lot on aging down um, Nick Fury and some of the other big stars of the story. And I don't know that that's going to age well. That, that CGI is becoming more prevalent and it's a tool. But when you lean on that tool really hard, I think it's going to age poorly. Um, her story overall wasn't horrible. It was like I said that it was more the elements that they used to tell it like her needing to control her emotions I think was a just kind of a ploy to try to say that you know feminine emotions can win the day I don't really know what they were trying to suppress there I it it was very unearned and even when she shows up in Endgame it was kind of like um tacked on like the very first Avengers movie when they had aliens coming out of wormholes in New York City like we're supposed to just ignore the fact that Nick Fury could have called Carol Danvers to come help with that like that wasn't a big enough threat but somehow you know Thanos snapping half of everybody out of existence finally was a big enough threat like that's a large large uh, window there to kind of say like well you know this is a worthwhile threat but this one isn't it, it seems kind of irresponsible and that's what I mean about it being tacked on it wasn't that it was it was it wasn't that it was unearned it just kind of pops up out of nowhere and it just uh, I don't know I, they could have done better with explaining that. Her origin story left a lot to be desired. There was no twist that you didn't see coming. And the character, I don't know if it was just miscasted or if it was just what she had to work with. 
I think that storyboard was a lot, a little sloppier. And you know, I wanna, I think I have that one on Blu-ray. I should probably watch it with all the deleted scenes thrown back in, cause I'll bet all of a sudden it makes a lot more sense. Don't know, we'll see. But um, I need to wrap this up with talking about uh, Wonder Woman and Birds of Prey. And I'll say that because where Superman was written all wrong, where every element of his story was fumbled and dropped, and his death was unearned, and his resurrection was unearned, boy did they get Wonder Woman right. At least that first one. I'm not going to comment on her use in Justice League because we all know it was horrible. It was a trash movie. Um, her Zack Snyder took everything that Patty Jenkins did with Wonder Woman and undid it and made the uh, <laughs> pretty much made all of Wonder Woman's character irrelevant. Her entire race of people irrelevant. I mean, they couldn't defend their box. They were the first box to fall. All of the work that went into displaying Themyscira as a really cool island full of bitchin' women warriors was undone by making them wear armor bikinis. It was character assassination. If Justice League wasn't bad enough, they assassinated the only good character they had in Wonder Woman. And I'll tell you why Wonder Woman was absolute gold. Wonder Woman came out, and again, if you weren't into comic books, if you weren't growing up in the 70s watching the Wonder Woman series, you wouldn't have an idea who she was. She needed an origin story, and Patty Jenkins bent over backwards to make sure that if she did nothing else right, if you didn't enjoy the storyline, at very at, at the very least, you would enjoy the character development. And and I'll tell you, her character development was flawless. Wonder Woman started out on an island. They followed a little bit of the new 52 um, storyline in that they made Zeus her dad. Whereas, you know, the original Wonder Woman storyline was that her mother sculpted her out of clay and it was her love and desire to have a child that brought Wonder Woman to life. The New 52 wanted to use her much more as a weapon. So for that storyline, they made Zeus her dad. And they made her purpose-built as a god killer. To kind of put Ares in check. To kind of put the other gods in check. Because Wonder Woman's story is very Greek. It's chock full of really interesting bad guys i will talk about wonder woman 2 a little later but most of wonder woman's antagonists are all greek gods or goddesses or they have some role in greek mythology and it's a really fascinating wonderful storyline again when you're done reading frank miller's the dark knight you need to read Wonder Woman because that is another just fantastic comic book that I think would appeal to just about everybody. It's you need to get over the fact that comic books are for nerds and understand that in in an era where storytelling is going down the tubes, here is a medium that has always kept up the mantle of good storytelling. If the movies fail the comic book, don't blame the comic books. 
because they are flawless, great, great works of art. Wonder Woman's one you should read. Her origin story, fantastic. Her interaction with the world when she gets immersed into this, this bustling scene of London. I mean, again, I hate sepia. I don't appreciate it. But when we were on Themyscira, everything was bright and golden and the colors flourished. And then when we went to London, they were doled down. You know, it was the Industrial Revolution. It's World War One, which again, fantastic. Everybody uses World War Two. Captain America, all of them, they all, everybody loves to beat on World War Two. And here was uh, uh, Wonder Woman coming in with World War One. Fantastic. A fresh new take. And, you know, the battlefield scenes. I, I can't wax enough about this movie because really, truly, you have this sepia, dark, dull, muddy, you know, when she first enters London, it's it's shot in sepia, it's very dark, it's very dull, but there's moments that brighten up, like when she meets a baby, or when she tries ice cream, or when she gets fitted for dresses, like, where she is in London, her immediate surrounding is brightened by her being there. And truly, truly, if you are going to shoot a god amongst people, that's how it's done. You show that everything that she touches becomes bright. The baby is well lit and she's just awestruck at seeing a baby, which is totally in character. Because she's never seen a baby. Because they don't have them on Themyscira. Because the only way the Amazons reproduce is when they steal a man and rape him for a bunch of babies. Like... A little dark, I know, but she sees a baby and she's blown away by it. She tries ice cream and she compliments the guy that makes it. She doesn't wax over the ice cream. It's not this weird, like, shitty comical relief where she's just like, oh my god, ice cream, I love you. No, she compliments the guy that makes it because she's a human being and she acknowledges other human beings as existing. It's, that part's really good. She saves, she saves Steve Rogers in London by being a bamf. And it's that turning point where Steve Rogers, who doesn't know this character and just knows she comes from a weird island and has weird abilities and carries a sword and dresses in gold armor, like, he kind of discounts her. And then he comes in and sees, like, oh, my God, she moves faster than a speeding bullet. She's really strong. She's really smart. You know, she's not just drop-dead gorgeous. Um... But then you move to the battle scene and everything is in sepia and everything's gray and dark. And when she emerges out into no man's land and she drops her cloak and her armor is glistening and it's full of color and she's drawing all of the Germans. She's drawing the screen in everything about that was shot as her like blossoming this flower opening up and she's becoming Wonder Woman. She's leaving her Diana Prince role and she's becoming Wonder Woman. And it's just so well done. So antithetical to when you see Clark Kent don the gold and red S in, in his own movie. Like you just, if you're going to tell an origin story, make that moment pay off. And Patty Jenkins did that. There was payoff into that you watch this superhero this goddess become 
Wonder Woman thrashing a battlefield, breaking guns over her legs, like, you know, just being a total bamp. And and they show the one thing that superheroes are supposed to do in every movie. They're supposed to inspire. And that's what she does because all of the other characters see her taking the field, drawing the enemy fire in, becoming Wonder Woman, and they're inspired and they rush the field and they do what they couldn't do for a year. And they take this part of no man's land and they drive the German forces back and they go into a village and they recapture this village. And it's like, that's how it's done. That's how good storytelling is. That's like, you didn't expect that. You 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 saw World War One. You may have a vague sense about trench warfare. They they reinforce how brutal trench warfare was, and then you you get you get your character blossom in that. Whereas with Captain Marvel, with her big discovering her powers scene, it falls flat. There isn't any of that. Raz, there isn't any of that I, I don't know that X factor that makes you really really feel this superhero because they were telling somebody who for 45 minutes didn't emote a damn thing to go ahead and emote and when it, she smiles like half ass smiles and then she gets all colorful like come on guys it I don't know why it is certain directors fear the altruistic good guy i don't know what movie they watched i don't know what reactions they saw in the audience i want to meet the person that hates christopher reeves as superman and says it's an awful story i want to find that person who watched smallville and doesn't giggle every time clark has an altruistic moment like we don't need the punisher as every superhero and we don't need we don't need Deadpool as every superhero, which is I'm not going to get into Deadpool because it's a, it's a superhero genre, but it's a, it's slightly different. But I do want to talk about Birds of Prey and I'm going to end this podcast on Birds of Prey because here we are again. We have an all cast female superhero movie. And everybody wants to talk about this feminist undertone ruining ruining uh, superhero movies. Get out of here with that. It had nothing to do with that. Birds of Prey and the Emancipation blah 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 of Harley Quinn is horrible, in my opinion, and not with anything to do with the fact that it's a female cast. The Birds of Prey is an all-female cast. It's, you know, Huntress. It's Batgirl. Um, I don't remember what the detective's name is. I'm not super well-versed in the Birds of Prey. But what I can tell you is they wanted to make a Harley Quinn movie. And they could have just done that. They, there was no need to involve the, uh, the Birds of Prey characters uh, like a oh, black canary she's one of them too but like i'll tell you in my opinion where birds of prey falls off the map as far as being any type of a good movie there is no story structure in it and i'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing i think you can if you know what you're doing you can make a movie 
just on character development. There doesn't need to be a plot. Should there be a plot? Yeah, I think that's how you make a good movie. You can make an acceptable movie without one. Um, but it really should should have a plot. They they decided to go on a character development. And that's fine if you want to make a sequel or a series. I don't think that's going to happen. Especially because it kind of tanked. Um, DC hasn't been able to get a franchise rolling. Uh, I know Wonder Woman 2 comes out soon. Patty Jenkins is back at the helm. I expect it to be amazing. Um, but everything else like Suicide Squad which this is kind of a sequel to that really has failed to take off and for them to make a movie without a plot without good storytelling and just focus on character development that they have no intention of going anywhere with kind of falls flat kind of seems kind of empty um, but I to further compound that, if you're going to make a movie based off of character development, maybe you ought to have character development. Because what really sucks about this movie is they write Harley Quinn as some, at least in my opinion, as some amalgamation between Deadpool and Jack Sparrow from the Disney Pirates of the Caribbean stuff. And, I, and I'll draw this. I'll... I'll play this out for you harley quinn is um an unlovable drunk party animal who portrays a goofball uh, a vexing goofball who can't do anything and is underestimated by everybody she runs across and is annoying and honestly tells the story so you have this unlikable, drunk buffoon who you can compare to Jack Sparrow because that's what Jack Sparrow was. The difference is Jack Sparrow wanted everybody to assume he was a moron. He wanted everybody to underestimate him. So when he was brilliant, it took everybody off guard. Whereas Harley Quinn never develops that. Harley Quinn never gets out of the I'm a drunk idiot. She never moves past it. And it's when when she's on the street eating her sandwich and she's like approached by some guy that wants to kill her. She doesn't use any wits. She does this fourth wall Deadpool break. But then the movie like comes and slaps you across the face and it's just like, haha, nope, dumb luck. And she even says, haha, nope, dumb luck. You know, um, so they don't use her to any real extent. They just kind of have this meandering character telling the story. And the whole Gotham aspect is painted by her. It's very vivid colors. It's very pink and green. And, you know, her her role is exaggerated and... When she meets the main bad guy, the black ma black mask or uh, Sionis, you know she's this just throwing up in purses, dancing on tables, kicking over drinks, asshole that nobody likes, especially him. And then he finds out that she broke up with the Joker, which somehow means that everybody can kill her again. Like she's Harley Quinn. You you could have 
wrote her as a badass that nobody wanted to mess with and instead you took this well without a man she's useless route i don't know how that's a feminist ideology to be honest with me so all these assholes that are just like oh it's a feminist movie that's why it sucks not really i mean if you go watch it it's i would think kind of anti but here she is and she's pissed him off and he's realized he can kill her but then there's this other story that's happening that's told from her perspective so she introduces sloppily these other characters who on their own if you cut the harley quinn part out of the movie have a pretty interesting story you got a detective who is a female and uh, a woman of color on top of that and she gets looked over for promotions after some guy claims all of her work and like she is a really good story arc that could have been built upon but you know they dress her up in a shirt that says i shaved my balls today because everything has to be a joke in the harley quinn movie which would be true if they wanted to make a harley quinn movie i'm on board with that but you called it birds of prey and now you're taking the characters of the birds of prey and you're making them ridiculous and taking away their legitimacy so here again i will argue bros that if this was some type of attempt at a woke feminist mantra movie why would you take a woman of color and decimate her character by making it ridiculous why you could have gone somewhere with that um then then you have your next character which is canary again she works for sionis and she has this amazing superpower which now by the way we won't even mention it or use it until the very end where she cripples an entire field of bad guys that they forgot they had to fight yeah again there's no plot so of course let's not have anything else smart in the movie but Her story is told by Harley Quinn again, and Harley Quinn doesn't care about her. So when you have a character who doesn't care about the other characters in the movie at all, how am I as the audience supposed to develop a relationship with this other character? Like, Black Canary is probably the most featured, and her casting choice was spot on, and I liked a lot of the elements of her character, but I can't grow to like her if she's told or introduced into the story and we get to know her via another character who doesn't care about her, DC. That's not how that's done. That was horrible. Your other character is Huntress, which is the most interesting character, could have had the most depth, could have had probably the best origin story of any of the other characters on this show i mean her whole family gets killed yes her whole family was in the mob but her whole family gets killed and this diamond is lost and this diamond has the bank account numbers or locations of the bank accounts that her family had with all the money in it which i'll touch on a little bit later but you know that's not her motivation isn't to get rich her motivation is vengeance for her family so she goes and trains and becomes an expert uh crossbow marksman and just an all-around bam fighter and there's some element of a story building here that i could invest some emotional currency in and they make her a joke they make fun of her bow and arrow which she has to have this feminine rage on and again 
if you were trying to tell me that this movie sucked because it was a feminist movie, watch the movie. Because all they do is reduce their female characters down to tropes. And her trope is feminine rage. And she doesn't bring anything to the movie. She could. There's lots of elements in there that they could expound upon on. But they don't. She's just this character that they make fun of because her whole family was killed. And now she's ragey. Come on. You know, I, that that was a horrible, horrible just character assassination for arguably the only character in that whole movie that had any depth. And then they kind of pseudo brought in Batgirl. And if you didn't know, the little girl who swallows the diamond, her character name is a Batgirl pseudonym. She was in Birds of Prey as Batgirl. And unfortunately, because they used her as a plot device and because her uh i don't know what you want to say because she wasn't barbara gordon a lot of people didn't make that connection and if you don't know anything about the birds of prey why would you know that she was the version of batgirl in the birds of prey wouldn't make any sense right like i don't know uh, her her role didn't add anything and it didn't subtract anything she kind of just like existed and I guess that's okay like something had to move that movie forward because our Jack Sparrow character in Harley Quinn wasn't doing anything to move the plot forward she kind of like Mr. Magoo existed in this universe where through dumb luck and coincidence continued to survive and the movie plot had to beat her along and the plot of the movie, the only arguable good character in it, which was Sionis, you know, they did him dirty. Ewan McGregor, if anything, proves that he was the perfect choice for Joker all along. He has that somewhat sing-songy British accent that he can roll out when he needs to, which if you listen to Mark Hamill's portrayal of the Joker spot on the joker is a thespian you know an old-timey shakespearean actor joker who finds everything to be a joke and laughs at everything and all of his main plots are jokes like damn it miscast miscast again like dc sucks at casting villains which is a crime against humanity because one of the best parts of dc are the villains I think Marvel probably has the better protagonist. They have the better characters. They have a larger character assembly when it comes to good guys that are more diverse. And you can use them in different facets. But damn it. DC has always had the better villains. From Lex Luthor and Doomsday. From the Joker and the Scarecrow and Two-Face and the Riddler. And you, the list goes on and on. DC writes great villains. DC, when it comes, Warner Brothers, when it comes time to cast those villains, has no idea what they're doing. And while I didn't talk about it, because they didn't want to get loud and upset, Batman v Superman couldn't have... Ugh, I'm not going to say it. I'm trying not to swear. I'm trying to make this not a sweary podcast. 
but it's hard because I get filled with rage when I think of Jesse Eisenberger as Lex Luthor or Jesse Eisenberg. Like, horrible casting choice. The most ridiculous Lex Luthor ever. And what do they go and do? They make a stupid, stupid hot topic joker when here, all along, you had Ewan McGregor. You had Ewan McGregor who plays the Joker in Birds of Prey. They just call him Sionis. But damn it, weren't all the elements there. Uh, But you know what? Let's screw him over too. Because here's a rich, like eccentric, awesome supervillain who owns nightclubs. And he's trying to get control of Gotham because he can see that the Joker's slipping. Because he doesn't have his number two. And Harley Quinn blew up his factory or his headquarters or whatever you want to call it. And his main point in wanting the diamond in the movie is to become rich. Huh? Like, why? He, he's already rich. You know, it's okay to villainize somebody as rich when you think that all rich people just want to become richer. That works in real life. But for a superhero villain movie, like, I, I need more than that, buddies. Like... I think there was some level of he was gay for his right-hand man. And I think I heard, read somewhere that like the original plot was that the diamond didn't contain bank account numbers, but it contained an IP address. And that IP address was a website full of hit videos that caught Sionis and his number one man having sex. And that was what Sionis's original motivation was because he didn't want that to get out because he wanted to portray some machismo and like he was a big bad supervillain and that would have undercut his story. And I can see why they strayed away from that because that kind of gay shaming probably would have gotten bashed a lot on the internet, but it would have made a lot more sense in the context of a Harley Quinn super villain movie thing than, hey, this incredibly rich guy wants to become incredibly more rich. So he expends vast amounts of resources to try to get this diamond that belongs to Huntress that, yeah, well, like I said in the beginning, it had no plot. It wanted to focus on character development. It uses a disjointed timeline like Deadpool does. Harley Quinn breaks the rule, the fourth wall multiple times like Deadpool does. Um, but she doesn't have any of the good elements of Deadpool. She doesn't have any comic relief elements. She's stupid for stupid's sake. Whereas Wade, you know, Wade, his character doesn't introduce us to the other characters. The other characters interact with him, and there's probably an argument to be had that there's character development within the Deadpool movies from Wade's interaction with them, but not his introduction. So Harley Quinn fails at being Jack Sparrow because she's not smart and witty, and she's not having some underlying intention or she doesn't move the plot forward the plot moves her forward and she fails at being Deadpool because even though she does the narrated break the fourth wall disjointed timeline setup she never cares about anything Deadpool actually does care about things like that's part of his character you know he had a romantic 
interest that he cared about. Um, he didn't introduce the characters and not care about them. He didn't discount the characters to discount them. He did so because his character was kind of a slapstick humor kind of guy, but he wasn't introducing the characters. He wasn't the driving motivation between all of the other characters. The other characters interacted with him, and that's how we got to care about them. So, Birds of Prey wasn't a bad movie because it was an all-female cast. It wasn't a bad movie because it had some kind of agenda. It was a bad movie because it had no plot. It had no agenda. It sloppily introduced characters only to make us hate them. And Harley Quinn should have just had her standalone movie. And they should have just made her Jack Sparrow if that's what they wanted to do. And completely rip off those movies. Because they didn't have anywhere to go on their own. And that sucks. It sucks because I love Margot Robbie. I love her Harley Quinn character. I just think that she didn't have anything to work with. There wasn't anything malleable there to make a movie out of. And trying to make it a Birds of Prey movie just ruined any opportunity you had to make a Birds of Prey franchise. Like, I'm sure Hollywood is looking, they're trying to make that, that female icon movie because women want to go see superhero movies as much as men do. And really, you can stop all the gender nonsense because both genders appreciate Captain America. Both genders appreciated Iron Man. Everybody loved Endgame. And everybody loved Infinity War. And everything that you made into those movies was wonderful and great. I think both genders appreciated Wonder Woman. I expect this Wonder Woman sequel, 1984 or whatever it's being called, is going to get men and women to go to the movie theater. And I expect it's going to be executed right. But that has nothing to do with why Harley Quinn or the Birds of Prey and the emancipation of Harley Quinn something 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 was crap. It had nothing to do with why Ghostbusters was crap. Like it, it just... The movies themselves are lacking these really critical understandings of story structure. We're not telling stories within these movies. We're doing really crappy character development or no character development or we're undercutting our character development or we're writing characters that other characters that they're not intended to be via superman somewhere along the lines movie or comic book movies are going to die and when we go back 20 years from now and we look at the structure of all these movies and we reference them back to their comic books this is going to be widely talked about we're going to talk about how Zack Snyder had no idea how to write Superman or how Ben Affleck did a good job with a terrible writing of a character. Like, I don't know that. I can't really argue that Batman was really written too bad because Zack Snyder wanted to write a Batman movie and he did that. We chose really bad villains. I don't know how this new Batman reboot's going to come about. I think, once again, we're going to suffer from horrific... Uh, villain character choices I will tell you I am super apprehensive about the new Wonder Woman movie because I think Kristen Wiig is going to be a horrible cheetah not only that I don't care about cheetah you have a million other characters in the Wonder Woman world which are much more compelling to watch than cheetah and I don't know it's a lot to hang your hat on but I expect it will be a great movie 
I expect that um, as time progresses on, DC is going to lose more ground because they've pretty much given up on developing Aquaman or The Flash, which I didn't even talk about. Um, Henry Cavill is no longer Superman. Ben Affleck gave up Batman. Zack Snyder, please go away. Go make Transformer movies. Seriously. Like, nobody cares anymore. Um, and here we have it. So if this is the end of the comic book era, so be it. We got some gems. We got some turds. I love the turds too. And that's how I want to end this podcast. Is as much as I just went and bashed Batman v Superman and bashed uh, Superman Returns. and I still love those movies. I still love those movies because for me, it reminds me why I started reading. It reminds me, like, you know, these are the elements of storytelling that you need to pay attention to. Because like anything else, when you do something really right, you can glower about it and you can you can feel warmth and accomplishment, but you very rarely get knowledge. I think we learn so much more from our failures. And if you're really smart, you can learn off of the backs of other people's failures. So as much as I want to be a good writer and I want to write good stories, I can watch these horrible adaptations of my favorite comic book heroes and I can learn something. And you can too. There's opportunities everywhere. So I'm sorry this was a super long one. Um, I'm not... I don't think I'm ever going to make a podcast simply on movie reviews. Although I have opinions about them. And I tried to cover... A bunch of movies and it probably would have done more justice had I just covered each movie individually but I wanted to see how this worked out I wanted to see what the reaction is um, if this podcast falls flat I won't ever do a movie review again if you want to have a say on what I talk about or what topics this podcast covers reach out to me I am on Twitter at cap and JDP I am on Instagram at Josh Zep 5 like find me uh you don't have to follow me to dm me you can uh, i'm not a locked account so reach out to me you know what start a conversation with me i will talk to anybody i want to make this podcast better and i'm just kind of like you know this first season is going to be like uh kind of scattergunning ideas out into the cosmos here to see what everybody likes and i'll go from there so thank you again if you are one of my subscribers. If you listen to this and you enjoyed it, let me know. Um, and I'll be back next Wednesday and we'll talk about something completely different. Because every episode that I've done, I've tried to make completely different. Uh, until then, everybody stay safe. We're coming out of this uh, quarantine type thing, I think, soon. Good things on the horizon and I cannot wait for summer. So thank you. Have a good week.